This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Progressives show that they value political warfare over human life and... Did Donald Trump announce that he's running again? You're watching the Propaganda Report. I'm Brad Binkley, here with a friend of mine. You might have seen him before if you were at the DPP that he appeared with. Uh, uh, an actor, big actor around Atlanta, a guy who I didn't even realize until Cam pointed it out the other day, is actually in the Marvel Universe, Ian Covell. Ian, welcome to the show. Hey. Thanks for being here today to help out. It's great to be here, Binkley. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think that you have uh, great insight, so I'm excited to have you join me today to bounce some, bounce some things off about what's going on in the news. I know you pay attention to the news. Have you seen anything that piques your interest this week? Oh, God. Well, yeah, I guess like the first thing that came to mind when you said that was the new Yuval uh, cam footage in the hallway. Oh, boy. I, what I saw about that, that cam footage, this is all I saw seen about that story, because it's such a weird story, is the guy with the Punisher logo on his phone. And they're mocking that guy, saying, well, he's got a Punisher logo. That's not how he is in real life. Yeah, I'm guessing those guys had some sort of orders, stand-down orders from somebody. I don't know exactly. I haven't dug into that portion of the story. Do you know anything about it? No, I don't. No. Yeah, I say I was following that really closely at first because what what I saw there was, I, I saw I saw an attempt mainly. I like to look at it through how the the media is trying to further the Great Reset, and I know there's all kind of angles you can look at every story. But what I saw there was I saw the media having an easy opportunity to rebuild their trust by getting easy wins. And Davos talked about how nobody trusts them, the elites, nobody trusts the media anymore. And in order to get this transformation of society they want, they have to rebuild that trust. And I saw that going on with a lot of the reporting on this Uvalde thing. The actual details of what's going on, I'm not so up on all of that. Oh, yeah. All right. So let's dive in to what I think is the top story of the day anyway. And that is that Ivana Trump, she died today. Uh, it broke a few hours ago. She was the mother of Ivanka, Donald, Don Jr., and Eric Trump, and the grandmother of their children, and President Trump's former wife. And they were still apparently pretty close. And this story, to me, highlights just what a cesspool Twitter is and what people are allowing themselves to become. And we'll go into that in a minute. But here's the, here's the story. <clears throat> Ivana Trump, first wife of former President Trump and mother of his three children, three of his children anyway, not mother of the giant, the, the Melania's son, but she died today in New, in New York City, her family announced, and she was 73 years old. The paramedics received a call for cardiac arrest, and then she was found unconscious and unresponsive at the bottom of a staircase in her apartment in Manhattan. And the police at the time said that there was no signs of criminal activity, and the medical examiner would be determining the cause of death. Trump posted to Truth Social 
He said, I'm very saddened to inform all of those that loved her, of which there are many, that Ivana Trump has passed away at her home in New York City. She was a wonderful, beautiful, amazing woman who led a great inspirational life. Her pride and joy were her three children, Don, Ivanka, and Eric. She was so proud of them as we were all so proud of her. Rest in peace, Ivana. And he put an exclamation point after that. It was kind of interesting. And then in a statement from the other part, other members of the family, they said that Ivana Trump was a survivor and an incredible woman. So the response to this story from most progressives on Twitter anyway, and I think Facebook also, because I saw some crossovers talking about how they were getting backlash on Facebook, so they were now coming to Twitter to say the same things. It's just frankly classless, it's petty, and it shows a lack of appreciation of human life. It really illustrates, in my opinion, the effect of wartime propaganda, how it, how it affects people. And the goal of wartime propaganda is to make one side see the other side as inhumane vermin, scum, whose lives have no value and who must be exterminated. That way, they can get people to do what they previously would not have done, which is actually kill other human beings is by dehumanizing. And I don't think that these people are going to do that on Twitter. I think maybe they might be the type of people you could co-opt into maybe pushing a button and sending a drone strike into somebody. They're not going to be on the front lines. But the way that they're talking on there and the way that they're bashing Ivana Trump, who was, by all accounts, a private person, did not inject herself into public life, did not say provocative things on purpose, at least since Trump's been president, since I've been aware of this family— I, you don't ever hear anything about her, really. And they're just absolutely bashing her on social media. I'm going to go through some of the sure. yeah, some of the, some of the tweets. I mean, these progressives on Twitter are over the moon, most of them. There's like a couple that were nice about it. But most of, they're just so giddy about her dying. And the themes that kind of emerged were one of them is that the Trumps and it, Trump and his kids, they're apparently supposed to testify next week in a civil case up in New York, a civil case about an investigation into his business dealings and the theory online. And this theory is under the, the trend Epstein. She got Epstein, they're saying. Trump killed her, they're claiming, because they have to testify this upcoming week and they don't want to testify. So they're trying to get the testimony postponed and she must know too much about this civil trial. It's a, it's a civil case, okay? It's not a criminal case. And she must know too much. So Trump had her killed she got Epstein because they do not want to testify in this trial. That, that's, those are the basic theories I've seen so far on Twitter, which are absolutely absurd. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think that if you are apparently on one side of the political aisle or one political ideology, you can come up with theories, conspiracy theories with impunity, you know. Right, without getting made fun of or being called disinformation. Right. Have you ever heard, I think made me laugh, I saw it somewhere on Reddit once, someone started referring to it as Blue Anon. Yeah, you know, I saw Blue Anon trending the other day. That is that, so that that's uh, liberals who are behaving like QAnon, is that right? Yeah, yes, yes. Sort of. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, no, I think it's, uh, I do think it's classless. I mean, there's like... There's a time where you can bring up, I think, uh, timing is everything. You know, you can be right and you can be an asshole. Uh, and timing has a lot to do with that. And, you know, whether I'm not saying people, their opinions are right about her, but, you know, there, there's a, a time and a place for that. I, I think it's totally classless, but I think it's hypocritical because you're supposed to be the party that marches around with signs that say love, I love everything. And, you know, 
it's everything's a contradiction. And that's, that's what I think is so infuriating about that. It's literally, uh, you know, they're marching around saying that, you know, they have a post that's, you know, love on it as they're screaming, like frothing at the mouth and they can't get how the irony of that it's almost artistic to be honest with you like it's, it's yeah it is it is artistic in the way yeah definitely in, in a way you get what i'm saying like if i could set that up you'd be like oh that's kind of a compelling right yeah be a good movie and that's really what it is is they need it to be compelling they need it to be engaging like they're trying to make this january 6th it's thing theater. because they, they want people to pay attention it's theater. so they can yeah like, you know manipulate them mm-hmm. yeah and uh so i think uh you know, especially coming from the party that goes high when everyone else goes low. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, give me a break. No, you're just like everyone else. And that's what's infuriating about you. It is. And the type. So I'm going to go read some of these tweets for you sure, just sure. to show. And if, if you want to find some of the worst tweets in response to Ivana Trump dying, just look for the Twitter profiles that have the Ukraine flag in their profile because oh those are the worst ones. Oh, my God. I mean, oh. you, you, you see it. They have the, the Ukraine flag, and they're like, ah, she died. Ha, 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 ha. Yes. It, it's unbelievable. They care so much about the Ukrainians that they know nothing about. They don't have any idea what's going on over there. But somebody over here dies who is a member of the family or was of the political opposition, and they're, like, kicking their heels together and, and, and jumping for joy. It's unbelievable yeah. how mind-controlled these people are. So so this guy tweeted out, this guy, Aaron Katter, Kattersky, he's an ABC reporter, and he tweeted a basic summary about the death that said that she was found unconscious at the bottom of the stairs and that police are investigating whether or not she fell and if the fall contributed to the death. So instantly, a lot of people are also posting, the staircase, the staircase on Netflix, she was murdered, Epstein, it was Trump. And here are some of the responses to that summary tweet that he made. One of them right here says, and it shows a picture of Trump and his kids, his three, his three kids that are her kids. I guess no testimony this week with a picture of the kids who are expected to testify in New York's attorney general's civil investigation into his business practices. Then they'll postpone and pretend they need grieving time. Today is probably the first time in a decade they've even thought about Ivana, but they're going to milk it. That's unbelievable. The this is her children. Person, and the insight this person has into the Trump's life. I mean, they have they obviously have some behind the scenes knowledge. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Right? Who knew that Trump's kids hadn't talked to their mother in 10 years? This I had no idea. Kid. This person knew. They should have told us that they were being so oh, negligent to her. Yeah. This this is a type of tweet I think that comes from somebody who uh, has never really lost somebody or has forgotten what it feels like to lose somebody because I mean, these are her children. Whether you like them or hate them, that's their mom who just died. And you're like, oh, they're going to milk it because they don't. I mean, what a terrible thing to say. I think there's some of that. I think it's also a lot of just um, autopilot reaction. I just think it's, uh, you know, that's what she said kind of reaction right. to things. No, people do that on social media. Words, you know, and so, and so there's, hey, this will get me likes. It's all these people. Are Dude. Just, you're exactly right. So one, oh, there was one tweet here. I'll read that one uh, where this person. So you really, you really find some interesting things on Twitter. If you take any of the tweets like this that are kind of like activist tweets or 
any tweet from somebody who's obviously an activist, if you just copy and paste it and you paste it into the Twitter advanced search, oftentimes you will just find just boatloads of other accounts tweeting the exact same thing. I mean, and, and you'll see, okay, so they were given a script by their activist leader, somebody like Stacey Abrams, and they are all just repeating it verbatim on there. It's an interesting thing to do every now and then because you, you can see, wow, okay, that, that is a that is kind of like a bot-like message. So I did that with, with this one here. There was one tweet, another one that said, um, Ivana Trump died. Celebrate Ava Braun, meet Ivana Trump. You two deserve to be besties, you know, because Trump is Hitler. So... You know, she'll be besties with Ava Braun. So I, I copied and pasted that into the Twitter thing. And there were dozens and dozens of that exact same tweet, but they weren't from other accounts. They were from the exact same person tweeting it over and over and over again, just hoping to get attention, hoping to get likes to it. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's sad. It's I sick. Yeah, it's sad Twitter, and sick. Yeah. I'm not on Twitter. I can't do it. It's good. It's really... I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't bring out the best in people typically, if I could uh, put it lightly, but there was a response. Low quality quality information. Right. Exactly. So there was a response to this first tweet that I mentioned, the one where they said that her kids were going to milk it. And the response said, no F in doubt, you know, they spelled it E F F I N. And it was a, a tweet from a, a guy who appears to be a grandfather-like guy, an older guy, and he's giving a baby a kiss in his photo. And he's tweeting no F in doubt about how they're going to milk the death of their mother. And obviously he's got a Ukraine flag in his profile. It, it's even, even people who, who are probably nice. This, this guy is probably a nice guy if you bump into him on the street. And you just talk to him. Once politics enters the conversation, he probably flips out and loses his mind. But oh he's God. probably a nice guy in other aspects of his life. But this sickness that he's been infected with where he is compelled to react in this way, it, it is just – it's really such a sign of the brainwashing program that's going on with the media right now. And I don't think that the majority of the public is is uh, affected by it, but there is a small portion of the public that is. And – you're right. It, it's sad and it's sick, and we just don't need it to spread any further than it already has. Yeah, it's definitely a very vocal and very engaged and very motivated part of the public, and that's the scary right. thing. Right, totally. And that's what they go for with these activists. They look for that small yeah. percentage of motivated people who are willing to get up off the couch and take action. Cornelius Wolfshirt comments here in the chat saying, how much of that could be AI? It could be. It could very well be AI, and... It's interesting because I think we've reached a point. I was reading through some of the Google AI technology stuff where they were talking about, and I played some clips too on a show that we did a while back of them talking about how they have this AI now that can basically create natural language that is indistinguishable for, you know, from human language. And, and they did all these tests where computers could not tell whether it was a person or a bot. And, and I think we've almost reached that where the AI has become human-like and the humans have become bot-like. So they're almost one in the same in that. And these, these activists, I, I made these videos a few years back because I used to go to all these online activist trainings and I sign up to all their, their emails and stuff and they would send literal scripts. The, their whole idea is this. We need you to take action. We need you to not think on your own and try and do what you want. We need you to do exactly what we say. We need you to, to say it to the person we tell you to say it to. And we need you to do it this time. And you could see the way the emails evolved, the way they kind of tweaked it, because 
first it would just be, here's, here's kind of the idea you need to get across. Then they would be like, okay, here's exactly what you need to say. Here's a verbatim script of what you need to say. And then they took away your ability to even call them on your own phone. They said, if you want to call, here's the senator that you need to call, and you just push a button on the email, and it calls them directly from your computer. So they take away any obstacle that would prevent you from taking action. It's, it's basically, you're just like a weekend at Bernie's. You're just being puppeted to every, every step of the way. And the videos I made, I just read the scripts verbatim them despite uh, regardless of how the people responded so it didn't make any sense and they got very confused at times and it was kind of funny but i i i noticed that that's what these people do they do these in scam calls also just like they do them in political calls they will call you and they'll be stuck to an obvious script and when you recognize that they're a scam they continue repeating the script over and over again i was on the phone with one actually earlier today and i said stop i know this is a scam I, I know that you are scamming me. Maybe your boss is the one who's scamming and you're just his employee, but I know that this is a con. Stop repeating the same question. And then I finally I went, are, are you a robot? And the person finally broke and said, no, no, sir, I'm not. I'm a real person, but I have to stick to the script. And that's what she said to me. And I said, okay, your boss is conning people. Exactly. And this is the same thing they do with these activists. It's They get people just engaged in, in, in these politics in an unthinking manner, so driven yeah. by their emotions that they never stop back you know, stop and step back and think that, you know, they didn't really come to these conclusions. These conclusions were given to them and, and this is why they're so willing to tweet hateful things like this, this is about why. the Yeah. Go ahead. I don't want to get too uh, uh, you can bring me back off uh, uh, Oh go on. ahead. I'll bring you back. Go ahead. Yeah. But this is why Specifically why the trans issue infuriates me so goddamn much, okay? Not because I have any hate for anyone who thinks they're trans, whatever. I know that's debatable the way I phrase that, but... Uh, you don't. But, you're not a hateful person. I know you. You're not, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not a hateful person, man. You know, and so I have absolutely no hate in my heart. Um, uh, uh, but the, the thing that drives me crazy is it's using, it's using this person's... Um, challenge let's say uh to change our language in such an infuriating yep. way and you're uh, a linguistics major i should point that out you majored in linguistics yes and so it, it was it's infuriating for me i mean think about how how a police report would be confusing if i was forced to use the pronoun they to describe a singular person think of how yeah, that's a good point. There's lots of things. It, what it's doing is it's making it harder to communicate. And here's my theory is, you know, the communists, when they took over Russia, they literally cut the communication lines, right? Which is yeah. how they took over. Yeah, yeah. And they did that in World War One too. Yeah. Right. And so I think what the cultural – Yeah, I think one of the tools of cultural Marxism is – we're going to cut the communication lines, but we're doing it in a way that we're going to make it impossible for people who speak the same language to understand each other. Right. And that's interesting. So I was reading through and we'll circle back around like, like yeah, uh, sure. Jen Saki sure. says, this will probably be a longer show today, by the way, uh, okay. for those listening. Um, I was reading through that Georgia Guidestones. There's a book. A lot of, some people don't realize that there was a book that was written to go along with the Georgia Guidestones to elaborate on the 
you know, the instructions that oh, were wow. on the tablets. And it it's really pretty interesting. And it was written, you know, this was during the Cold War times and everything, but it does clarify some of those instructions that they put on there. And one of the things that they talk about is a new language, a universal language for all humanity. And I was reading through it, and I haven't gotten all the way through that portion of the book yet, but my initial reaction to kind of what they were saying was like, is this like artificial code-like language? Because they want it to be language that is very simplistic, that while being simplistic also expresses the necessary emotion, at least necessary from their perspective. I guess almost like a meme might, like mimetic warfare, and maybe code. You know, you might not be able to speak the same language, but I think people can, even if they don't speak the same language, can understand the same computer code. And they're going to all these African nations and they're teaching everybody to code. They're emphasizing, learn to code, bro, learn to code. And it's almost like another, it's good to learn to code. Nothing wrong with that and all, but it just feels like another way they're trying to enslave people. And then they go on in the book and they talk about how not everybody is going to know how to speak in certain ways. You know, they kind of reveal the whole, you know, Socrates-like thing where we're going to teach the broader public this universal world language, but the people who are above them and smarter than them are going to be able to communicate in a little bit of a different way. So they're going to be able to have access to information that the whole rest of the planet cannot. And I just wonder if this whole of Twitter, if the the bots, if, if emojis, if all of this mimetic stuff is an attempt to you know, kind of wrangle us into a dumbed down universal language that, you know, can be, tra- you know, transferred into some sort of computer code. It's a, it's a weird thing that I need to think through more, but there's something that they're trying to do. They don't want us using, you know, big words that have specific meanings and, and bring clarity because they need confusion, like you said, with yeah. the they earlier. Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. definitely bringing the water up to boil very slowly. Right. Uh, David Hopkins says Babylon. Totally. Bring, yeah. yeah. Burning the frog, the gay frog. Can Do gay yeah, frogs yeah. burn as well? I, I don't know if they boil <laughs> as well. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Um, yeah. So here's a couple more tweets in response. And, and there were a couple good tweets as well, which I'll, I'll, I'll give you also because I do want to see the, the good also. Here's another one. First casualty of the 1-6 investigation. Okay. So Trump killed her because she was going to you know, tell everybody what really happened, what he really... That's the stupidest thing that I've ever heard, that reasoning. She must have known something about 1-6, so he killed her. Uh. Um, yeah, exactly. That's how I felt when I, when I read the tweet. And here's another... This is from Occupy Democrats, who has a checkmark. They are the worst. Are the Breaking, in all caps, Ivana Trump, Donald's first wife and the mother of monstrous Ivanka, Donald Jr., and Eric dies at 73. What is that? What kind of person are you to do that? These people. Ivanka came out with tentacles. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Monsters. I mean, have a, this is unbelievable. Like, I, even people that you hate. I, I personally don't think you should wish death on them. Or, or I, I don't. I don't think that that's – I think it's bad karma for one, and it's just not humane. You're never going to get anywhere as a society well, if you wish evil upon people. It's very it's, – it's not really ever brought about any kind of permanent change. No. 
No, it it keeps us exactly how we are. Doing this stuff that they're doing is what keeps us fighting and keeps us not paying attention to the fact that they're trying to transform the globe and impose progressive values from the Great Reset and Klaus Schwab onto the entire planet. And when those values are put onto us, yours don't get to remain. Yours, yours are gone. They do not allow yours to remain. It's not just the businesses they want to control with ESG. They want to control individuals like China right. does with social credit scores. We're going to speak in emojis and eat bugs, dude. That's- yeah, dude. It's going to be awesome. Is a like, <laughs> like the South Park show. Or I was going to ask you earlier, if you have you been watching The Boys at all? Oh, my God. We're, oh we're, my God. I don't want to give any spoilers. They just basically turn Homelander into Trump, and, and he goes to, Trump, to Trump-like to rallies. And if you stop they, during the show— They're so balanced in how they do it, though. That's what I they, love. Yeah, they, they mock everything a little bit. They mock everything. And yeah. That's what I love. Clearly, that one character, that one politician's AOC, the head popper. Clearly, she's AOC. Uh, dude, I've been calling her AOC, too. Totally. She's totally AOC. Uh, David Hopkins here says that maybe Ivana Trump had info against the Democrats. Just as plausible as the theories I'm seeing on, on social media. Maybe she got vaccinated and had a reaction. I have no idea what happened. Of course, of course if you br- so you can say, you know what? Donald Trump must have killed her because he didn't want to testify at that civil trial in New York. And you're fine. You can stay on Twitter. But if you say maybe she got the vaccine and maybe she had she was a rare bad reaction, you're kicked off of Twitter. That, that's not allowed. That, that, that's, that is a major problem in disinformation it is only certain disinformation can, can, can be or perceived disinformation can be allowed to exist. Here's one more tweet. I thought this one was interesting. Is this person's name is Libby the Radical Liberal? It's it's quite catchy there, and she has a Ukraine flag by her name, as many of these others do as well. She says, "Does anybody feel bad or sad that Ivana Trump died?" I ask because some Trumpers on Facebook are trying to make me feel bad for saying that I have no sympathy for her or her family. That's all I said. I mean, I could have said good riddance to bad rubbish, but I didn't. She seems to be coming to Twitter to say, is my reaction correct? Did I I react the right way? Did I do what I was supposed to do? Why why are they talk about something that was happening to her on Facebook? (laughs) Right. Yeah. She came to her Twitter family to talk about Facebook. I don't get on Facebook much anymore because so Twitter, I can take the, the very brief you know, rhetoric and just sure. mudslinging sure. all the time. Twitter or Facebook, it's just like paragraph after paragraph. People don't have any limit yeah, to what they can say. Everyone's like microblogging on Facebook now. Right, yeah. So this type of thing, and, and I know that people are not necessarily their social media personas. In real life, they might never say something like this. They get to hide behind the the screen, and they get to say sure. things uh, you know, viscerally that they might not say. But, like I said earlier, if I'm recruiting radicals who would have no problem pushing a button to send a drone strike or something else that killed a bunch of people that they were conditioned to believe were the opposition, were vermin, evil then I would be recruiting from this pool of people who reacted in this manner. Now, like I said, they would never be on the front lines fighting, but 
getting the public to this sort of mindset, it just ensures that this, this small group of people anyway, they are not even close to a place where any kind of real conversation or thought or harmonious move forward is going to be made. It's these types of people that are the problem in their mindset, and I feel bad for them because they have something missing in their lives that causes causes them to go to social media and find fulfillment and laughing giddily at the death of someone who never did anything wrong to them. Oh, absolutely! It's it, it really does. Uh, I've gotten to the habit, you know, if I see people on Facebook who do this that are just like acquaintances. Because I've sort of broken my rule. My my rule on when I got back on Facebook, my rule was, all right, I'm not gonna be friends with anyone yeah. unless I want to know if they die. You know, if yeah. I want to, you know, because so, anyways. And then started I started letting other people onto Facebook, but people who express stuff like that now, man, I just I can't take it. I just I just keep trimming, just keep unfollowing, muting. Uh, I and I can't. wonder, like, do you find, so, do you find no, that they not. behave the same way offline? I, I know we have some mutual friends, and I know at least a couple in particular who, if you look at their social media platform or uh, some of their social media, you'd think, wow, this person is just fallen off the deep end. Yeah, no, but honestly, then when you see them in person, they're completely like cool and, and laid back. Because in person, they know how to control their impulses. When they're in, yeah. when they're online, they don't. They, they apparently have lost the ability to control their impulses. Uh, right. And because they're looking for that dopamine hit. Right. It's weird. Totally. It's weird. It's I saw, likes. I, yeah. Oh, I, well, I saw one, this is a perfect example of, of something that makes my eyes roll. Uh, an actor acquaintance of mine was posting this long post about something they were in. And it started with, um, and it was for an Emmy nominated thing. And they were like, I was, I, I'm humbled to be a, uh, a part of this. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're breath on it. Like, say you're honored. Say you're honored to be a part say, of it. Say that again. Like, you cut out for a second. Sorry. He was posting about something, a show he was in that's getting Emmy nominated. And he said, I am humbled to be a part of this. Da, 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 da. And I was like, no, you're not. You're not humbled. You just wrote a paragraph and a half and put this whole thing where you put your face on it. <laughs> Yeah, at all. Right. At least you say you're honored. Say so you're honored because that's more yeah. honest, right? Right. right. So, so humble. It's just, like, like, <laughs> so humble. Oh, give me a break. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's like you're not humbled. You're on Facebook talking about this. Shit. Yeah. You yeah. know. So it's the type of person I think as well. Um, my rule is I behave online the same way I behave in line. You know. That would be a good rule for people. If people took adapted that rule, they would maybe stop before they their arms just yeah. you know reflexively pull to the keyboard and they start all typing whatever they just heard Don Lemon say. Then maybe they would stop. I'm at the grocery store. I'm not going to start calling someone a Nazi. I mean, can you imagine that world, dude? If for one day everybody just it was like what's that movie with Jim Carrey where he has to tell the truth where he's a lawyer. Yeah, li- liar, liar, yeah. We everybody it was a day of liar, liar. Except they have, they are compelled. They can't control it. They have to say in real life what they say on Twitter. Oh the chaos! God. That would be more deaths than a nuclear explosion. 
We should do that as a sketch, dude. We should get our friend Josh, and we should do that as a sketch right there. I think that would be funny. Uh, We have David here saying that I deleted Facebook and could care less to ever be part of it again. I'm hoping that eventually we get rid of all technology that is social media. Yeah, you know, I I don't get on – I have Facebook still. I don't – I've been on there. I think I've made one post in five years and I, I just it, it, getting on there gives me anxiety. Simply logging into Facebook, I, I get anxiety doing it, and I don't even want to deal with it. And I totally get what you're saying about yeah. the getting rid of social media. I definitely think it's healthy to take breaks from social media for sure. And oh, I just it, never, I never post. But, I never, you know. Well, they want people to, they talk at the World Economic Forum and all these other places about how they need to bridge that digital gap in the rural areas and the people who aren't online. They need to get them online. They want everybody connected to this board. Make no mistake about that. So when you're not on it, it is like an act of resistance in a way because they they want people to be on it because it's it's seriously, it it, it is probably the closest thing to, I'll say it again, the Borg as we can come in that our brains and our faces are connected to it and the information goes directly in there instantaneously around the world. There was a U.S. Cyber Command in video where they're having a panel discussion that we deconstructed a couple of years ago and the psychological operations commander said very clearly in there that they love YouTube because YouTube gives them direct access to the brains of children. Three-year-olds have their phones in front of them all the time, and they can plug information directly into those children's minds through YouTube. Yeah. And that is the way these people think. Kids should not look at any type of screen until they're like three, four years old, four years old. Dude. It's terrible for kids to be looking at these screens. What's his... uh, uh, The Apple dude... That guy's jobs. He didn't let his kids use screens. Okay. Steve Jobs, man, his, I, I was watching one of the many documentaries. I can't remember which one it was, but they were interviewing, um, goddamn Lisa, right? Cause that's what, that's what he named, uh, the app, the one Apple computer. Remember he oh, replaced oh, it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. Lisa? Something like that. Yeah. I think it was Lisa. Anyways point is is um she said that you know my father had the ability to be really really close and um engaging and then other times he could just be like turn it off and be super cold and distant and um i imagine there's a little bit of neuroses or whatever but i just think like his his major achievement really was the iphone right yeah wouldn't you say wouldn't you say? I, I, I mean, I would totally say because that iPhone, above and beyond the Apple computer, has transformed society. We all now have an Apple computer in our pockets, and and the way that we communicate now. Since I mean, it was only like what fifteen years ago that the iPhone came out initially, something like that. Right. And, and now me- everybody films everything that they do on. I mean, Hunter Biden films himself but- playing with himself every time he does it. But it made me think what she said about him being engaging and then distant made me think about the way you look at a room of people and some of them will be on their phones, very distant. Uh, then will be, they'll re-engage with each other. But there's all this like staring down at phones and it's uh, – and I do it too. We all do it. Oh, yeah, take totally. A step back, 
and look at it, it's it's kind of horrifying. It's like it's like if you were watching yourself eat a whole chocolate cake. You'd be like, oh my Dude, god. Dude, and you yeah, and you're doing it and you know it's bad while you're doing it, but you're like, I just can't I, I want it right now. And then when it's over, you're just sit back and go, Oh my god. Oh my god, just, what did I do? You're crying and yeah. Your brain feels for at least mine does. If I'm switching back and forth between screens, your brain is yeah. just like super fried afterwards. There's this book, and I've mentioned this before. It's oh, yeah. called Thinking Fast and Slow. It's a book that is recommended to CIA agents, and they talk in there about the, the system one, system two communication. System one being not the, the the automatic, the things that we have learned to do in automatic fashion, as well as you know just basic survival skills as well, and then system two being things that still need cognitive effort to do, and that when we engage in these tasks and we keep switching between between screens thinking we're multitasking that what we're actually doing is making ourselves believe we're getting stuff done but in reality we're getting almost nothing done because we're draining our brain's cognitive resources uh, um just you know thinking that we're doing it and what we actually accomplish is very little because every time we switch to like a new thing it takes our brain like 10 to 15 minutes to actually focus in in an engaging fashion into that new task if it is not an automatic task that we have you know learned to do without thinking and i I totally feel that i totally feel that when i try and do way too many things at once and and they almost always involve screens and uh, you just step away and go oh my gosh what am i doing It, it, it can be you could be sit down at a computer screen or multiple screens and it could feel you know, you're zoned in. It could feel like not very long and you get up and it could be like 24 hours later for all you know. It just sucks time away from you. Um, David here, there's a comment I wanted to pull up here. All right, I'll have to find that later. I don't know where it went. But I got a couple things I want to talk about uh, moving on from the Ivana Trump death. I, I you know, I... I lost my mom a little over a year ago. I know that you have lost your mom as well, uh, not too long ago as well. And so my heart goes out to anybody. I don't care if they are somebody that I dislike with, with everything of my being. If they lose their mother or their father whatever, my heart goes out to them. And, and my heart goes out to the family because I don't care how rich they are or powerful they are. They're, they're suffering. They're hurting right now. So I, I, any, I wish yeah, them the my best. My heart goes out to any person who's lost a childbearing person in their life. Right, a, a child, a child-bearing person. <laughs> right, so I should not have said implied woman, womanhood, or anything there. Yeah, Very well, you know, what are the terms? Mother, father. Just we need to get rid of those terms. We need to get. Need you to know, be- I thought of you actually, and I, I will. I've told this story on here, but I thought of you in this story that I saw about a teacher that was sleeping with a student, and the article referred to the teacher as a uh-huh. she, but it referred teacher. to the yes, it referred to the student as a they, them, and student throughout the whole article. And I was a bit, I was like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Is this, is this a teacher sleeping with a, a trans student? And so I went, all of the mainstream articles had copied the exact same one, that, and this was on Drudge where I saw this. So I went to the local newspaper because I, I was like, what gender was this person, the student, the teacher was sleeping with? And I found the actual video of the police officer. So all these articles that are being promoted in the mainstream are are saying, police said this, and then they'll act like the police called them a they or them. And then they'll say, court documents said this, and then they'll act like the court documents said they or them. None of that was true. None of it was true. The police in the video said that the teacher was sleeping with a female student, 
And the court documents called this student a female. So this was a female student. And by all indications, there was, or by all things that I read from the actual documents and from local news reporting, there was no indication that this was a trans student. However, yeah. the mainstream reporting decided to start using they, them. And what I, what I think is going on is I think that they are just trying to start doing that to normalize it because they do not want us being the default. They don't want he, she being the default. They want they, them being yes. the default. We already had perfectly good words to describe like uh, a, a girl who just ha had really masculine tendencies, right? We called her a tomboy. Okay. There's already a <laughs> word for it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking something different. I wasn't going to say it, but. Oh, no, no. But we are, no. <laughs> I wasn't, but yeah, we called her a tomboy. Yeah. Um, it, we, Cornelius you know, Wolfshort well, says, woman, the one with the extra hole. It's simple. I, I would agree. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the, the, they act like there's no biological component at all to gender. It's preposterous. Yeah, it is. So what it are we, we going to walk into a Target to go buy some shirts, and they're just going to mix it all together? And it's like, God damn there's it, no men's section. There's no boys shirts. section. All of the clothes are going to be in one pile. It's going to be like uh, mix together. What, what is uh, that? Your, what like a TJ Maxx where all the clothes are just kind of thrown on the floor and there's no, diff you know, everybody's wearing, dude, no sizes. I mean, why don't we take, you know what, for, for, for height challenged people, why don't we take, why don't we make it a law that every grocery store shelf can't be over four feet tall? Hey dude, I, I am down with that because I was talking not long ago about how I think they need to make a, make a law where in the NBA, the goals can't be any higher than five feet. That way, we all got a chance to play, okay? There's no advantage to jumping real high if everybody can you dunk the basketball. my controversial fix for the WNBA. I do. I, I remember this. Yeah, Tell us about it. Just lower the rim. Let the ladies yeah. dunk. I Ian got into a, uh, an argument, with, I won't mention with who, at, at one time because... He believed that male basketball players were, if correct me if I'm wrong, were probably better than most female basketball players. Is that is that a correct? Yes. And then the other person yeah. was disagreeing well, people, with you on that. Yeah, I was just saying that why are we forcing these women to play on the same with the same regulations as the men? We adjust it for other sports. Yeah, right. Exactly. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's so backwards and it's so easy to get caught up into. Like, I just, people don't, they need to realize who get sucked into all of this. And I, and I get sucked into it sometimes too because it can be fun. Like, they trigger your emotions and you're like, oh my gosh. And you can see uh, uh, what people are saying and you get outraged and you want to have that reaction. So it's, I mean, we're only human, but. That is how a divide and rule strategy works. I mean, that is like the definition of divide and rule. They, they do these things to emotionally charge up these tribal units in society so that they don't realize what the elites are actually doing to dominate them. And if people did not succumb to that, then the elites do not have a chance. There are so many more of us than there are of them, like billions more of us than there are of them. I'm going to move on to the next story because I want to get your opinion on some of this. Trump kind of alluded that he was running again. He did an interview with New York Magazine that was published today. And what he said, he was kind of, basically the only question appears is when he's going to officially announce. He said, well, in my mind, I've already made that decision. 
So nothing factors in more in my own mind, my own mind. I've already made that decision. He said it twice. And then he said, do I go before or after? That's my big decision. I just think there are certain assets to before. I think a lot of people would not even run if I decided to because if you look at the polls, they don't even register. Most of these people, and I, and I think you would actually have a backlash against them if they ran. People want me to run. And then he says, look, look, I feel very confident that if I decide to run, I'm going to win. And that was a statement that he made today. So it appears that he is going to run. And a couple questions come to mind here. One is, how is he going to announce? He announced going down the escalator back in 2016, or 2015, actually, is when he announced. Right. He didn't have to do that in 2020, but he's going to have, I'm wondering if he's going to, if it's going to be nonchalant, you know, low key, which he doesn't really do things low key. I hope he does it by hot air balloon. Uh, okay, hot air balloon. All right. Or like yeah, an, I was, old school, yeah. an old school, like, um, what are these, you know, those train, the train tours, the whistle stop, whistle uh, stop yeah. tours. Oh, he, he like <laughs> rides in on one of those old timey trains. Yeah. Here yeah. comes, here yeah. comes former President Trump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Old timey. Yeah, you think they can toss newspapers with his picture out yes. on that? that yeah. Yes. I would, I, I, you know, I, I want to think about this more, but I would like to see something like, you know, he he parachutes in, maybe oh, yeah. dressed like the King of Hearts, crown and all, and then dad, he's got everything, and then he just it, to Perry, Georgia, he has to go where he's just beloved, so somewhere like Perry, Georgia, and then he gets out and he just starts shaking hands and maybe even kissing the hands of the oldest ladies there who are just so hot and bothered by the fact that he's there. I want, I want to see something like that. I don't know if he'll be super high-key about it. He'll probably be trolly about it, if I had to guess. He probably will do it in a way that trolls the other side. I don't yeah. know. It'll be interesting. It'll That's be the thing about Trump. He's interesting, to say the least. He's interesting. He's interesting. I have, I have, um, I have mixed feelings about, about the whole thing. I'll be because of DeSantis? Honest. Well, yeah, because you know, I also think... Uh, tactically and strategically about this stuff. So like kind of like a chess, kind of like sports, right? Try to take emotions out of it and go, all right, you know, yeah, this play will get us a few yards, but what gets us a touchdown? Oh, so you're like, you're like, uh, you're like, what's his name with his daughter? Um, Apple, Apple dude. We were talking about <laughs> earlier. I don't know why my mind just went blank. Steve, Steve you're like Jobs. Steve Jobs. I, he like loves his daughter one minute and then he's like back away the next. No, I mean, I, I was talking to a good friend about it. Uh, and he, he brought up some interesting points. He's like, you know, he goes, but you know, we need guys like DeSantis. We need more governors like him to be governors. Right. Yeah. And I was like, okay, all right. That's a good point. The only down, the, the downside to Trump, uh, running and winning again is he only gets four years. Right. That's so a good point. Yeah. That that's to me, it's like, you know, so what do you do with that? You know? Right. Know. And, and what does he do? Like, it's, it's the thing that with somebody like Trump, what does he do if he doesn't run? You know, yeah. he's like uh, a yeah. guy who's always got to be in it. You know, always got to be in the middle of something. He might be more influential as like a kingmaker, you know? I don't know. I don't know. Possibly. So Trump is a kingmaker. I loved leading up to some of these Republican primaries where the whole story was that there are all these crossover voters who just want to punish people 
who have been backed by Trump. And so they have given up their right to vote in the Democrat primaries in record numbers, apparently. According to the AJC, the truth of it, I I don't know, but like in record numbers, they came out and voted against all Trump candidates. And one of the stories, and and I will say that this is disputed by somebody who definitely knows a lot about this, but one of the stories is that Brad Raffensperger, the guy who is completely controlled, he might as well be controlled by Klaus Schwab himself, and he has a very sketchy CIA-like background, that he would not have won his primary had it not been for the crossover voters that Stacey Abrams like basically drove to the polls. Like Her organization was driving people to vote in Republican primaries. Yeah. And now, th- now, that's disputed. I- I've interviewed uh, and I had on the show um, the uh, candidate who is running uh, against Brad Raffensperger, and he told us that 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 wasn't necessary. It was the strangest thing. Um, we were talking, and I was talking about how Raffensperger would not have won had it not been for crossover voters. And he he was like, "No, uh, Ted Metz." He he was like, "No, no, that's not actually true." So so he he disputed a narrative that I, I was getting from the AJC and could very well be wrong about that would have favored him. On the, which I stopped right there and I said, this is exactly why people should consider voting for you. You could have easily just gone with what I was saying that would be like favorable to you. You're the libertarian candidate and I'm saying Raffensperger would not have won to run against you if it wasn't for the basically right up to the line of cheating but not really cheating. And you're saying, no, no, that's not actually what happened. You're almost defending Raffensperger because his whole thing is election integrity. He's worked with Garland Favrito, uh, Voter GA, and that group that's actually done legit uh, court inquiries into what's happened with the 2020 election. They keep getting railroaded at all turns. Go to Voter GA, look at some of their stuff on Rumble, look at the website, and you will see some actual legitimate stuff that is beyond this whole widespread voter for beyond all the rhetoric and propaganda if you want to get real information about that go to voter ga and i just i just thought it was a great illustration of the type of person that maybe people should vote for but he gets very little attention and he's you know kind of up against it i don't even know how i got into the raffensperger stuff but i i did so we're gonna roll with it there uh we were talking about trump is what we were talking about and talking about DeSantis. there was a poll that came out today that had trump Okay, here it is. It's a New York Times poll. New York Times poll. And it said that Trump has a 24-point lead over DeSantis in this initial polling, um, but that in a matchup against Biden, 44% of registered voters would pick Biden while 41 would vote for Trump. I, I don't believe that second one, which I don't know that I should believe the first one because I don't think the second one is true either. So I really don't know. My thing with DeSantis is... First of all, I don't usually vote in presidential elections because I think they're too controlled. And I think that they give us choices that really we lose regardless. There can be a little bit of a less, you know, of a loss with one of them than the other for the most part. But I think I just I I don't usually vote in them because I don't trust the people voting. I'm more of a local elections vote in those guy, you know, type of guy. But DeSantis is like, he's got such a military background, like a special ops background that yes. while he says the right things. Perfect candidate, though. Yeah. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like a Manchurian candidate. Like, so he's doing all this stuff that's right and it's great. And it seems to be great. Um, there are some things he does that, that might extend power to, to government. But, you know, I, I always question, and, and I should say, 
Just because somebody was in the Navy SEALs or somebody was in the government, somebody was even in the CIA, and I typically don't trust people who are in the CIA, that doesn't always necessarily mean that they're always going to be bad or always going to be on the wrong side of things. That it would be a logical fallacy to think that that is always the case. But I definitely always heighten my skepticism when I see someone who has that kind of background. Yes. Uh, what you're saying reminds me of, so I had a friend of mine recently who, he sent me a text and this person, he's like, he said to me, Ian, uh, I hope you're sitting down, but I think that if Joe Biden runs again, I'm going to vote Republican and DeSantis runs against him. I will vote Republican for the first time in my life. Wow. That's interesting. So DeSantis, you know, I hadn't even thought about that. I, I had thought about what will people who like Trump and DeSantis, because you can kind of see how they're not bashing each other, kind of dancing around, really going after each other, uh, kind of like Trump and Elon Musk were doing until recently, until they just started bashing each other. But I hadn't thought about how that might get those people who are on the fence with Democrats. So I, I know we have some common friends that yeah. I, I have, have told me that, and I know that they voted for Stacey Abrams in, in the past, that they don't want to vote for her again because of her allegiance to the mask mandates and all of that stuff. And, ah, right. Stacey Abrams. Uh, yeah, right. Stacey Abrams. She's like, would be like the best linebacker in NFL history. I would totally pick her first. But shortly after that, off and it's just Stacey Abrams. Right. She's just, I mean, she's a monster. She dominate. And they, but right after that, they started doing the whole racist narrative in the media, the whole abortion narrative in the media. Oh. And I was like, this, this is what they're going to do. They're trying to target these people with these messages so that these people go, okay, I didn't want to vote for Abrams, but I don't want to side with these racist because monsters if either. Stacey Abrams loses. That means Georgia is racist. You know, I, I could not have put it better. It's, it's perfect. That's so Stacey Abrams, right? I have long believed that she is not going to win because her entire career, she has risen by losing. Well, she gains money. She gains power by claiming to be oppressed, by claiming to be wronged. However, I think this could be different because I saw an article where they were talking about the potential, you know, uh, outside the box, even though this isn't outside the box, candidates if Biden does not run again. And I'm starting to think that Biden is going to be ousted or he is going to personally step you know, down well, after LBJ, the... Probably. Do what? Do LBJ and promise never to, not to, to run. Totally. I actually think he could be outed after the midterms. I'm yeah. starting to think... I think that might be part of the reason we're seeing a lot about well, Hunter Biden and some of this other stuff. And maybe we get a little bit of Kamala. Now, I don't know if Kamala gets primaried. Uh, maybe maybe they keep Joe in so that they do have these candidates run. But if Stacey Abrams is to become president, if she is to run in 2024, she has to win in 2022. They have to have her win in 2022 if they want her to be a legitimate candidate in 2024. Yeah, I, Stacey Abrams, her obsession with becoming governor of Georgia is strange. But I think what I think what you'd see happen with her if she did become governor is you have to remember that the legislature is made up of a bunch of rural. Georgia representatives. Bunch of get out boys. Bunch of get out boys. So she's not going to get shit done without without doing executive orders and stuff like right. that. Right. But so she doesn't be, get shit done. So she, she, it's about bills. the yeah. She's going to be passing up bills like like everyone gets a goddamn cannon. She's she's like no nah, no nah, you know and she'd be like no uh, everyone gets forced abortions. Uh, I, I'm yeah right. Now I'm going to love if Stacey Abrams is governor. How she's still going to be spouting how oppressed. 
and how, how underprivileged she is as governor oh, of oh the state. God. It's amazing. It's amazing the amount of um, just racism that she's had to overcome like every day to become. Right, yeah, at that exclusive school she went to college. at Yale and Harvard and her position. I mean, she literally, and, and you guys have been listening a while, you've heard this, but I think it's important to repeat this. I should probably make a video about it since the election is coming up. There's so much stuff that she has done that reveals that she's a fraud. It's unbelievable. One of them is she was a lawyer for the city of Atlanta back in, I think it was like 2005. And she wrote a law that was decried as as racist, as criminalizing poverty, as just civil rights groups. There was just a backlash against it. And it, it was enacted. It was a panhandling law. And... Then, you know, years later in 2016 or 2018, she ran on the platform of decriminalizing poverty after years earlier she had been accused of criminalizing poverty. Well, that law that she wrote that got enacted, I believe, in 2005, three years later in 2008, based on that law, I believe is the Georgia Bureau of Investigation set up a sting operation where they all put on Hawaiian shirts and pretended to be tourists and got off of MARTA buses to try and bait homeless people into coming over and asking them for money. And once they did, they arrested them. They rounded up these homeless people based on Stacey Abrams' law, and they put them in the system, which they would need $1,000, I believe, to even get out of. So it put them in a perpetual cycle in the system that they can never afford to get out of because of a law that Stacey Abrams wrote, who then ran in 2018 on the platform of decriminalizing poverty. She is a fraud and a con artist. And when my friends, when people we know, start talking about how great she is, it drives me crazy because she literally, her campaign and the New York Times took a story that I broke. Nobody else in the country had broke this. I broke the story about her burning the flag uh, when she was in college and being one of the leaders of the, the, the Rodney King riots group leaders back in whenever that happened as like the late nine, 90s or something like that i broke all that because i did a search on twitter nobody not on twitter on google nobody had searched it nobody had mentioned it we didn't have a show for three weeks because we were displaced by georgia bulldogs nobody mentioned it and then as soon as i i i played i played i found a random clip of her mom preaching on some obscure christian website where she was boasting about abrams engaging in these activists burning the flag activities which they were not doing to remove the racist symbol from the georgia flag they were doing to keep it doing that to keep it on there because there was already an effort ongoing to remove that symbol and the bipartisan effort and the governor who was a democrat at the time went to Stacey Abrams went to her group and said stop doing this you are going to sabotage this whole effort you're going to draw out clan members and racist we are already moving this forward stop doing this well she didn't stop doing it because the way that these activists work is they keep these issues alive because the existence of these issues is where they gain their political power and their fundraising from. If they solved all these problems, there would be no need for them. They need the problems to exist. Stacey Abrams is a huge, and I don't mean that literally, I mean that in a figurative sense, fraud. She absolutely no. is. And I do not, I, I don't, and she's a, the president of the world on, on Star Trek. Give me a yes. break. Did you see that? Well, and the idea, the idea that there even is a president of the world and, and that, that, that there are people on this planet. They're like, yeah, that's a great idea. We should have just a whole world and one president of the whole world. And it should you be Stacey I mean, Abrams, lots of course. Of people, yeah. Lots of people in history have had the same idea. Right. Totally. So <laughs> I, I don't know if you saw that AOC video earlier today, where did you see this? Oh, where my God. 
Alex Stein, he was calling her a big booty Latino. Look, Alex Stein, I think, I think what he's doing, he's, he's, he's doing the type of stuff that we used to do improv exercises of, except there was not, not often a camera involved. I think sometimes we did film messing with people, although he does it a little bit more. It's obvious he's mocking them. Yeah. The idea when we did it as an improv exercise with, with Bob and everybody at Relapse was, no, you need to be authentic because you, you need to play a character and you need to be authentic uh, so you can work on your acting skills so that when you're on stage, you can uh, authentically present emotions on stage. I mean, it was a great exercise and it, it's scary to do and you learn a lot doing it. But I remember doing it. And it, was a lot, it was a lot of fun. It was never mean-spirited ever. I, we never did it in mean-spirited anyway. But see, the way he does it is like he's just obviously being insincere, which I don't like that aspect of it. I really don't. I think it would actually be better served if he were uh, being a little bit more um, not a dickhead at the beginning of it, because if he comes off as a jerk, then while the people on the right are going to celebrate it for the most part, anything that is revealed by what he's doing is going to be obscured by the fact that he was a prick. And if he was just yeah. kind of low-key and, and not a jerk about it, then he might actually be able to get responses where you can say, look, look at what was revealed about this person. It's why Borat, and that, 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 you know, Sasha, it's why Sasha Baron Cohen is so successful. He's very good at it. Very good at it. Absolutely. The O.J. Simpson one that he does, if you haven't seen that, Check it out. And Sasha Baron Cohen is a huge progressive, but he's very talented at doing this. And his O.J. Simpson, where he uh, got, just go watch Sasha Baron Cohen, O.J. Simpson on YouTube. It's funny and disturbing <laughs> at the same time. But I, I don't even know how I got off on the subject of, of AOC. I, I think it's, oh, so just the, the activist mentality. Uh, yeah. I lost my train of thought, dude. We've been we've been on a roll, and I lost my train. I, I love it. I love that we're on a roll, but I uh, lost my train of thought here. It's okay. We can. I got. I got other stuff we can move on to. It, it'll come. It'll come back to us in time. I got a couple comments here that we can read as well. Um, oh, so Quash, who was asking about? Have you ever heard of Legal Man, Ian? No. David asks. Speaking of lawyers, Bink Bink is what. Bink, Bink is a, a nickname of mine because my last name. I always uh, I look fondly upon those who who call me that because it reminds me of my childhood. I used to be called a little Bink because my brother who played professional baseball was Bink, and you know, so he gets to be Bink. He's like ten years older than me. I was I was little Bink. It's nice to be Bink now, you know. <laughs> but moving on from that, uh, so uh, the I don't know. I haven't talked to him in a while. I should reach out to him. He, illegal man. He does a podcast. He's a lawyer. He's very opinionated. He's insightful, and he he's got a lot of. He's got a lot of a lot of fire to him, which uh, I know that's what I like about him. I always like when people can get passionate about what they're talking about oh, and, and they can articulate things well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hot, yeah. Hot. yeah. No, go ahead. No, I'm saying I love friends that have hot takes on stuff. Most of my friends do. Right, and I was talking about hot takes the other day on the show, and this is this is so interesting to me. It's been a learning experience for me doing the show solo, and then the times when I I do the show with somebody. When I do the show solo, I. I do 30 minutes roughly uh, for the, the free version and then 15 to 20 or, or if I go longer, you know, for the, um, the exclusive portion. And it's very challenging to do that on, on your own. 
Sure. You know, when you don't have a reaction. So you'll you'll record something and you'll do all this work on it and then you'll have that portion completed and it'll be like two and a half minutes. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's only two and a half minutes that has been completed. And then after doing that for a week or so or a few days, and I come on a show and I have somebody to bounce ideas off with, then it's like a three hour show because, you know, it's so much easier to, to go back and forth with, with somebody. Sure. But I, I was talking about, I was talking about hot takes the other day. And while hot takes can be fun and good, I, I think that there is a, a danger with having hot takes because ha- having hot takes on social media anyway, oh, the yeah. way that they do it is they project the hot takes that the sides are supposed to take. And right. people, because they're ready to jump into that, you know, that tribal battle, that emotional tribal battle can latch onto those hot takes. And then when they publicly make statements about them and then fight with the other side about them, they then dig into them there. I don't know if you've read a book called it's, I can't remember the name of the book. It might be just influence. And it was written by this guy, Siladini or something. He was one of, one of Hillary Clinton's influence people, propaganda people. And one of the things he talks about in this book is the consistency principle of influence that if you get people to make statements about a position publicly in a way where they then have to defend it that they will internally be compelled to have consistency and even if they didn't previously believe that they will start to believe it and grow stronger in the belief of that position simply by saying it publicly and then engaging in that tribal battle over it and i think that a lot of people can get caught up into that and then the topic of controversy shifts so quickly that there's never really time to step back and think about the previous position that was made via hot take, which I came to the conclusion and which I'm totally guilty of doing hot takes all the freaking time. The reason I was thinking about this is because I was like, man, I feel like I should ask what more questions. I used to love asking questions. I used to love doing the uh, Socrates method and just, you know, digging deep with questions. I think that's uh, uh, stimulating, but I I don't find myself doing that as often. And I want to do that more. That's why I was thinking about it. So I came to the conclusion that not having a hot take on every issue is an act of resistance because If we have a hot take on every issue, then we play into their divide and rule tactic, and we don't ever actually step back and think thoroughly through an issue that might be important to us, and we don't do the thing that really that they definitely don't want us doing, which is questioning and critical thought. And while I am guilty of providing hot takes, good or bad, I would like to step back more personally, if that makes sense. It does make sense. Um, And and maybe not and just be a little more open to, to things as opposed to coming in with such opinion. opinion absolutely. Absolutely. It's, totally. It's, it's like, again. I get it. I'm, I'm totally cool with people's opinions, especially when they give reasons for them. You know, oh, nobody yeah, ever I, has a reason anymore. I was working with this kid. Uh, I'd hired him to do a, a something, uh, a, a job, not, not anything illegal. And he wasn't a kid. Uh, he, he was, you know, just younger than me. Um, anyways, and I knew him pretty well. Um, he, he'd been someone who had been involved in, uh, the theater I used to run and it was 2021 summer 2021. And he says to me, work in this event, there's all this Cokes there, Home Depot's there and all that stuff. And he says to me, he goes, man, he goes, one thing about this whole like pandemic is 
I've gone full communism. <laughs> and instead of just instead of just reacting like I wanted to, like, how stupid are you? Like, what, what, why would you even say that sentence? Um, I did what you said. I just tried to use the Socratic method. And I was like, oh, I go, that's that's interesting. I'm like, what? You do a good job of that. You do. Yes. Now, so in a I, debate or conversation, you do a good job of, of doing the Socratic method in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, so, you know, it's explain that to me. So I don't, I'm not sure I understand that. Or so what led you to that? What, what is, what's so appealing to, uh, about communism to you? And, you know, his answer was, you know, it's just that these, you know, these corporations that just gotta get too much money, too much control. And I'm like, well, okay. So it's not, they're going to, you're going to give that money and control to somebody, right? Like, this is always the flaw that that these commies never see. It's like, you understand that you're going to create an administrative state and they're all going to party with each other. Totally. And you guys absolutely Right. If you read like these, the writings of Lenin. Yeah. And these other you know, dictators, basically, then you see, you know, how they use communism. Communism is not really something that they necessarily believe. Like uh, Leninism is using communism to mobilize and then taking over dictator control. You, know, you don't ever get past that stage of the dictator. And, and Saul Linsky talks a lot about, as does Edward Bernays, the infamous propagandist, that you should never, as a propagandist, buy in to the ideology that you're using to control other people with. Right. Because then yeah. you are controlled by that, that ideology. Supply. Yeah. Don't get high on your own supply. Totally. Pretty, exactly. Pretty right. And, and that's what they, that's what they use. And what, you know, whether you, these tactics are good or bad or whatever you think of them, they are used for, to manipulate people by the most powerful people in the world and to just be the whole communism or the whole, Oh, I agree with the great reset thing. You right. really should look into it more. You should really look into what these people are saying in these panels. If you watch the World Economic Forum panel discussions, the Davos right. panel discussions, if you read the writings of Klaus Schwab and these other globalists, and they, they're probably not the top of the pyramid, by the way. I'm sure there's people we've never seen that are controlling them. But if you read the stuff that they say, you start to realize that you don't get to decide anything in this new world of theirs. They, if they allow you to be in it, are going to tell you how you should think, how you should feel, what your morals are, and what your values are. And if you disagree, then you're a problem. And they're, you know, they're not going to accept those types of problems into their world. Bill, I bet Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab are sleeping together. That's a disgusting thought. Yeah, Bill Gates probably in that world, he's the guy that they all give like wedgies to and swirlies. They just right, like, yeah, yeah. Then they take his, yeah, they take his lunch money. I used to love to go to Bill Gates' Instagram because the comments were hysterical. Like they just like he would get roasted. All, I know what he posted. He's turned comments off, but my favorite one is he posted this this Mother's Day thing to Melinda, and he, he it was really long and beautiful. You know, his husband Melinda. Yeah, yeah, his husband Melinda. Uh, his wife, Melinda, sorry. <laughs> so, no, I'm saying, I'm saying his husband, you said okay. wife. I'm, she just right, looks okay. very mannish to me. Oh yeah. So, so he, he posts this whole long thing about Melinda and the, and the first comment is like, blah, blah, blah. Go to hell, you globalist. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, I love it so much. Dude, they know this too. 
I, I, yeah. I talk about this all the time. I don't have the clip on me or, or I'd play it, but uh, maybe I'll, I'll bring it for tomorrow or something. But at Davos, this most recent Davos, about a month and a half ago, during one of their panel discussions, they are like, look, we've done these studies or, or these polls. I can't remember the poll that they use, but we found that while the elites of the world are becoming more cooperative with each other, like Klaus once with his Great Reset, the problem is that the publics of the world have grown more and more distrustful of the elite. So we agree with each other more. The public hates us and does not trust us more worldwide. And, and that is why the entire po- uh, Davos week was about rebuilding trust. You know, how to, how to get the trust of children, how to rebuild trust using local community voices that are spreading our messages. I did a whole show the other day about how the AJC and another uh, – newspaper in in Texas that are pretending to be local news outlets are in fact actually mouthpieces for the Great Reset because they were on Brian Stelter's show. And one of the things that Kevin Riley of the AJC said, I used to like the AJC a lot. I've been in the AJC a lot. You probably have too. But ever since this guy took over, it has become just bought and paid for, controlled. And and he says, he goes, we're not just the the national media swooping in to tell you what's going on. We go to your church. We, we, We see you at the supermarket. Our kids play with your kids. We have swinger parties with your wives. It, it, it was, we are like you and we're in your community. And I'm listening to this. And I'm going, this is exactly what these guys at the World Economic Forum, these globalists were saying that they needed to do to win the trust of the locales. And then Kevin Riley goes, we've done these studies where we know that we're more trusted than the, than the national media. And I'm like, wow. So he, he's actually in on the research as well. And so I laid out in the show, all of the the documents and the evidence of how the AJC is completely is funded completely and over and over again by the Google News Initiative, which is a, a worldwide initiative to put millions upon millions of dollars in one controlling mis and disinformation on local news media. And and we know what their idea of mis and disinformation is. It's anybody who disagrees with the narrative. Two is yeah. training training their selected journalists and then placing these journalists in newsrooms around the world. And they have placed journalists in, in Georgia. They placed journalists in this other, I think it was Texas was the other news network. And I found another document on the website. If you do a search, so here's a, like a search trick on Google. If you type in site, S I T E, and then you put the website that you want to search. And then you, you know, you do a space after that. So this one was like, site and then i think it was a, a colon or semicolon which is the one with the two dots is that colon or semicolon you're you're oh. okay that's a colon, colon. yeah cool so you, you do that and then you type with no spaces you type the website and then you type a space and then you put in quotes these very specific thing that you want to search for within that website and what that will do and if you want to add like if you want to add something like what are all the PDFs that might be on the back end of this website? This brings out the stuff that you you cannot find just looking through their website, you know, in a regular way. So you might put a plus and then put in quotes PDF, or, or you can actually put along with site. You can then you can put type and mm-hmm. then colon and then PDF or Excel. And so okay. I did that, and then the search that I searched for was just Atlanta Journal Constitution because I wanted to see if. AJC, how they were mentioned on the Google News Initiative website. And what came back was very interesting. It, it was one link, 
and it was a link to an Excel spreadsheet. And I clicked on it, and it downloads on your computer. So I might, you know, just downloaded, uh, you know, some horrible thing on my computer. But it was an Excel sheet that was of all of the partners that the Google News Initiative has ever worked with and continues to work. Look, look at your kitten. You got a new kitten there. It's very cute. Yeah. And it was great because I could just search any news organization I wanted to in that document and find out if they at any point in time had been a partner with a Google News Initiative. And the AJC already knew that they had and already had about eight other examples that I laid out in the show of them receiving money to push specific agendas and winning awards for pushing those agendas. But finding that document, I linked it in that show. So if you do want to search if your local news organization is being or has been paid by the Google News Initiative, which is a globalist operation, then you can just type it into that Excel document. Albeit, you do have to click on that link and, and download that thing on your computer. So that's up to you whether you want to do that. But I... It is interesting that you can use some of those little tricks against them. I think there's a lot of things that they 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 act like they can control. They give off this idea that they're all powerful. It's the whole art of war. Act like you're bigger than you actually are. Demoralize the enemy so that the enemy is hopeless. Which is why I say this is my new thing: is that hope is an act of resistance. Because if we're hopeless, then we are in the state of mind that they want us to be, and that enables our ultimate demise. So, simply being hopeful. And having a positive attitude is a way to work against them. Um, okay, so we've gone like an hour and 16 minutes for the free stuff, and I haven't even gotten to the clips I wanted to play. I cut all these clips because I'm like, I need to cut some clips because I I know that it, it's difficult to do a 30, 45-minute show. But then I remember when I have somebody with me, we can talk for like days without it. Right. So I'm going to save these clips for the XR portion of the show. And, and what some of these clips are, I have... I have a couple different sets of clips, and maybe we'll do a, a poll here in the chats and see what you guys would rather hear. But I have some Don Lemon stuff of Don Lemon talking about dangerous politics and the Republicans' role in it. And I have some clips of them talking about this guy who testified at the January 6th hearing, the former uh, – not the uh, Proud Boys, but the other group, the guy who was their propagandist, and just the reactions in the media to how this January 6th thing is going. And then I also have some campaign ads from Stacey Abrams and from Brian Kemp and from Gavin Newsom that if we were to get to that, that I thought maybe we could watch, deconstruct, and, and give grades, see how we think they're doing with their campaign ads. So some of that is going to be going on in the DMB XR. And, and if you want to get access to that exclusive content, then you can – Subscribe to the Propaganda Report Patreon page at patreon.com slash propaganda report, or you can uh, subscribe at rockfin.com slash propaganda report to get the video versions of that, or you can go to locals.com, to propreport.locals.com and get access to that exclusive content as well. So we are going to talk about that in the exclusive portion. Thank you, Ian, for joining me. As It's great. Right. I always talk people's ear off when they, they come on the show oh, just man, because I love having somebody there. Yeah, and, and what's your cat's name? name that's fred his fred older brother is barney. yeah there's fred the older brother was barney you know one barney of and fred uh, they're buddies yeah i used to love the flintstones yeah they're buddies you know my you parents know. neighbors not to go off track uh, a while years ago were named i think it was barney and wilma so they had the mick they had the the flintstones nice. names but the couple was mixed a little bit it was it was fun <laughs> well let's get some coffee soon brother all right, let's do it. And we're going to, you're going to come back and do the XR with me, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So 
thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.